Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 260. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading once again, our loyal listeners. And for you first-time listeners... We're glad you found us, and we hope you enjoy the program. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, crossing the road while texting is now illegal in one U.S. city. Apple discontinues the iPod Shuffle and iPod Nano, and the phone scams you need to watch out for. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Google Home speaker, the LG SJ9 soundbar, and the Laser 4K smart TV player. And we'll finish off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A huge show planned for you, so let's get into it. Well, it is one of those dangers uh, that we can that we see on the roads nowadays, and what I'm talking about is people so absorbed in their phone that it is they they cross the road without really paying much attention to the traffic around them. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, uh, that they they criticise these pedestrians. Uh, being so absorbed in their devices that they're not even looking out while they're crossing the road. Uh, it, it is a danger, and it, people have been killed. I've heard reports of various people being injured because the driver may not be paying attention, the pedestrian's in the middle of a text message, and boom, someone is either hurt or un- unfortunately sometimes killed. So this is really becoming an issue, so much so that one U.S. city has actually declared it illegal. If you're ever traveling to Honolulu and you think you're going to be crossing the road while texting, then think again because you may find yourself hit with a fine. Honolulu has become the first major U.S. city to pass what they're calling the distracted walking law. So that means if you're looking at your phone or texting, looking down at your device while you're crossing the road, you are breaking the law. Now, the law is not going to be enforced until October 25. But until then, anyone who is caught out, offenders will be let off with a warning. So you'll, there is a period there where police will be on the lookout. But uh, once October 25 rolls around, you're going to be hit with a fine if you're found guilty of crossing the road while texting, looking down at your phone, not paying attention to your surroundings. You think about... Honolulu, a lot of pedestrians, a lot of tourists, a lot of older travellers there as well, a lot of seniors around. So uh, I think that pedestrians really need to be on the ball, be paying attention to what's around them. Uh, If you're not doing that, you're going to risk a fine. First-time offence, you're going to pay up to $35 US for a first offence. 
Second infringement, you may pay up to $75. And if you've got caught for a third time, strike me lucky if you have, 99 US dollars, you'll be fine. So you, there is a sliding scale there for first offence, second offence, and third offence. I think the third offence should be triple that because if you're caught doing that three times, then let's face it, you're a bit of an idiot. You should be paying attention to your surroundings. But look what sort of world we're living in now. Look how far we've come. Now, look, I'm a big fan of technology. And as you know, of course, I'm, I'm a tech writer. I'm doing this tech podcast. Love technology. But I don't want technology to endanger our lives. And while it's it's empowering and can do all these great things, I think every once in a while, we need to stick our heads up and look at the world around us. And that includes crossing the road. Many a time you've seen people... And and it's not so much that they may have they may have the the walk walking light so they're crossing the road legally so they are crossing the road, but often you see people on their phones in the middle of a text message and I don't know if you noticed but whenever people are texting, they slow down they they don't walk very fast it's like a zombie walk when they're it's really slow and especially if you're at a crossing and you've allowed the pedestrian to cross in front of you. And you, you maybe it might be a, not a traffic light, but a give way sign or something. You're allowing someone to cross or, or a pedestrian crossing, whatever it happens to be. The person crossing the road is just taking their sweet time because they're they're, they're absorbed in this text message, reading it or responding to it or whatever. And I, I don't know about you, but I think that's a little bit inconsiderate. I prefer to cross the road quickly, uh, not hold up any traffic, not look at my phone. I'm always telling this to my kids as well. I've got I've got three children. Uh, one's still a teenager, two are in their early 20s. But I'm always telling them, always pay attention. If you're on your phone, even if you're walking through a car park or even a shopping centre car park, I always say, look around. All it takes, because if there's a... if A car park's a good example because normally if you're in a car park, you're either leaving or you're arriving looking for a spot. And if you're looking for a spot, you're not looking straight ahead most of the time. You're looking around. You're looking at who who's pulling out of their spot or where are people walking, How what's happening here? especially during the busy periods of the year, Christmas shopping, Father's Day, Mother's Day. And all it takes is for one driver to be looking for a spot and you to be walking and looking at your phone instead of paying attention. And God help us, there, there could be some drastic consequences, someone getting hurt and, as I said, God forbid, somebody killed. So I applaud these laws. And it, it does make me laugh that there have been other, other things done uh, I've seen in China they've even got a designated lane for pedestrians uh, with their mobiles. So pedestrians with mobiles have a designated lane on the footpath so they're not holding people up. There are signs. So have a look at my story on Tech Guy. There is a sign painted on the ground. This side of the pavement is for people with phones. This side of the pavement is people not using their phones. There's even, they're even resorting to putting signage on the road, on the pavement, to say, look up, look right, look left, approach cross, pedestrian crossing, you're approaching a pedestrian crossing. They're even putting lights on the ground to let them know that they're, they're coming up to an intersection. Now, a lot of people may argue, well, we should use the Darwin's law of survival of the fittest and how stupid people will not survive. But I'm more of a give people a warning, give people a chance and tell them that stick your head up, look at the traffic. It could be somebody driving there, looking down at their radio. You're in, you're on your phone. 
everyone at an intersection look around at what you're doing. It was it was such an issue that Honolulu made it illegal. And I'm telling you, it'll spread to more cities. And if anyone's ever been in New York, if there's one city where it should be illegal to be crossing while you're texting, that is one city. Plenty of people there, plenty of pedestrians. I think that may be uh, one of the states that are coming up with that law. If you want to read more about that and see those pictures, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, who's, who's still got an iPod? The iPod was an absolutely brilliant device. First launched in October 2001. Can you believe how long it's been since the iPod was introduced? One month after 9-11 was when Steve Jobs stood up and introduced the original iPod, which went on to become a massive hit, but also spawned some other models. The other models I'm talking about are the iPod Shuffle and the iPod Nano which, as of this week, are now discontinued. Apple are no longer offering them them on their site. The remaining stock is going to be sold through Apple stores and their resellers. But once they're gone, they're gone forever. The iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle. Now, the iPod Shuffle was introduced at Macworld in January 2005. How do I know that? I was there. Steve Jobs got up and said, hang on, there's one more thing. And he pulled out this iPod Shuffle, this white device about the size and shape of a packet of chewing gum that was the first uh, Shuffle, first iPod without a display. And when he said, this was remarkable to me because I was sitting in in the the massive keynote, I was sitting more towards the front of the stage, towards the stage, and... He pulled out this product and then he said, and it's available today. And I heard, as soon as he said today, I heard all this rumbling, all this noise around me. And I turned back to see people knocking each other over, chairs falling all over the place. People were rushing out of the venue to go to the nearest Apple store, which was like three blocks away, to go and buy it. And by the time the keynote was finished and I'd filed my story and was walking back to the hotel some hour and a half later, not even that, an hour later, that store had sold out of iPod shuffles. That's how big it was at the time. Now, the shuffle was had four different designs. We went through four different generations. The final design was introduced in 2010 and didn't change since then. But now it is gone. Also being discontinued is the iPod Nano. This was released in September 2005. So they're having a red-hot year. January 2005, they got the shuffle. September 2005, they introduced the iPod Nano. Now, what what was interesting about the iPod Nano release was the fact that it was introduced at... It was replacing... The iPod Mini. Remember the Mini? It was that that smaller iPod that was available in like four or five different colors. It was the hottest device on the market, selling out everywhere, really hard to find, stupidly popular. And Apple killed it at the height of its popularity and replaced it with the iPod Nano. Now, at that event, I don't know if you could remember... But at that event, they had a special event. They used to have a September event for iPods. And in this particular event, September 2005, Steve Jobs, you know how he's always wearing his black turtleneck and his blue jeans? 
he reaches down to his right pocket and says, ever wondered why this pocket's useful? You know how in men's jeans there's a small, I think it's like a change pocket? He's pulled out the iPod Nano, and the crowd went nuts. It was the first iPod, tiny, thinner than a pen, and it had a display, and it was tiny. That's why it's called the Nano, because Nano means small. And the crowd went nuts. And it, too, went on to become a massive success. It went through seven iterations with huge design changes in that period. And the most recent change was in 2012. And Apple, uh, at that time, added a touchscreen, a home button, and also added a Bluetooth connectivity. So it did come a long way. And the iPod family has come a long way. There's still the iPod Touch available, by the way. So the iPod is not completely dead. The iPod Touch is available now in a 32 gig for 299 bucks. 128 gig capacity, 449 bucks. It has a four-inch Retina display and an eight-megapixel camera. So, still out there, still popular. I think with with for parents. I think rather than buying their child a phone, if they may be too young for a phone, an iPhone, then parents are opting for an iPod Touch instead. So the beauty of that is that it's got all the features of an iPhone except the the fact that it can make phone calls. And you don't get a monthly bill, which I think is a pretty good deal. The iPod Touch still there, but the iPod Nano, the iPod Shuffle are no more. And if you've still got them, hang on to them, because normally what happens when products go out, go out of uh, when they're discontinued, when they're taken off the shelves, they become collector's items. You can look back and see the original iPod is worth big money if you've got one that were in working condition, in good condition. As with other older Nokia phones, the, the retro devices are really big money on eBay. Check them out if you, uh, if you, if you want to just see what they're worth. There's plenty of money being thrown around to get hold of these retro devices in good condition and, and still working, original packaging, all those sorts of things. A lot of collectors out there who, who like to reminisce about all those old devices. And I've got to say, I've got a few of those old devices kicking around here as well in the Tech Guide studio, as have many of our, our readers. I had some responses on Facebook when I posted that story who said, yeah, I've still got my original Nano, I've got my Shuffles and all these different iPods that they have. So it's still a very much a, a, a beloved device that people are still making great use out of. If you want to read more about that story and and the pictures of the history of the iPod Nano and Steve Jobs holding that first iPod Shuffle, you can check out that story at techguide.com.au. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, there's a lot of people out there trying to pull pull scams. People are trying to fool us on with phishing emails and various other scams. But recently, we've seen a rise in the number of phone scams that are being used. And at this particular time of year, being just in, around tax time, we've seen a dramatic increase in phone scams. And unfortunately, people are being caught out. The most recent scam involves people impersonating the Australian Tax Office, the ATO, 
and telling the telling the the person on the other end of the phone that oh that you you've you've missed your court date you've got this tax bill and if if you don't pay up now there will be a warrant for your arrest so they're putting the fear of god into these people and unfortunately these some people are, are, are assuming that the the call they're receiving is actually from the Australian tax office and uh, are terrified to a point where they they want to pay and but these shrewd criminals are asking them to pay by buying iTunes gift cards and reading off the codes or by uh, sending uh, visa gift cards things like that and they're able to flip the money on sell them deed is done people have lost their money there was a case uh, recently a woman in Victoria uh, sold was ripped off $4000 in iTunes cards she believed the people on the other end of the phone was the tax office that terrified her into thinking that if unless she does this, she was going to go to jail. So, unfortunately, uh, that is on the rise, and there are people being fooled. So, one thing to keep in mind: the ATO, for a start, will won't ring you and threaten you with jail or ask to be paid in gift cards. That right there should be a red flag to anyone. Uh, if there's anyone, usually a lot of the calls that I've heard, I've heard plenty of audio of these calls. And it's normally someone with a foreign voice, like an accent. And that, while that that may not be the only giveaway, it is a it is common for them to have an accent because they're ringing from from another country, from Southeast Asian country, even from uh, a European country. So keep that in mind as one of the things to watch out for. Not the only thing to watch out for because there are legitimate calls that you can receive from people with accents. But in this particular case. Keep an ear out for that. And if they're demanding gift cards and iTunes cards, well, you know, put the antennas up and hang up the phone straight away. There are other phone scams to keep an eye out, or I should say an ear out for. Here's another, and this is really shrewd, this phone scam. It's called the Can You Hear Me scam. And as, as its name suggests, the phone rings, the person picks up the phone, and the first thing the criminal's going to say is, can you hear me? And they'll repeat it, can you hear me? And the, the the person receiving the phone call, their first insti- first instinct is to say, yes, yes, I can hear you, yes. So as they're saying yes, the person on the other end of the line is recording those responses. So every time you say yes, they're, they're hitting record and recording your what they think, what, what they're hoping is a voice signature. And what they're doing then is signing you up to these unwanted services or trying to defraud you through online banking or, or phone banking. So another one to keep an ear out for as well. The other call, and I, I've, I've had this call myself, is the automated bank call scam. This, this were, this, I got this call on my mobile phone. So they got my phone number right. They got my name right and my bank right. So the call starts off saying, oh, if you are Stephen Fennick, this is an urgent call from the such and such bank. If you're Stephen Fennick, press 1. And at first I thought, hang on, that's me. And then realised, hang on a minute, they're not going to have an automated call. And the call would go on to ask for your bank to confirm. So let's confirm your details. Type in your account number. Type in your password using the keypad. Type in your date of birth. So what they're doing by confirming your details is getting your details. So what I did with these bludgers is I thought, well, I'm going to have a bit of fun with them here. And every time they say, if your name is this, press 1, I kept pressing 8 and or 7 or 6. And they kept saying, you, you, in, in, 
incorrect entry try again. And it took about three or four minutes before the call then diverted to, uh, uh, if, if you're having trouble, call this number, which was a bogus number. But I thought, if I can keep these, these bastards on the phone long enough, they're going to stop ripping off someone else. And uh, there was a great YouTube video where someone recorded themselves talking to a scammer and they were on the phone, I think, for 90 minutes. And this scammer wanted them to buy Target gift cards. It was in the US. And the person pretended to mishear them. So I thought you meant Target gift bags. And the person on the other end was getting angrier and angrier. And uh, at the end of it, the guy said the same thing I just said. Look, I'm glad I kept you on the phone for an hour and a half because that way you don't rip off anyone else. So there are people, there are teams of people, core centers of people who are trying to deceive people over the phone. The other popular one is a Microsoft tech support scam. That's where the cyber criminal poses as someone from the Microsoft uh, tech support team saying, oh, we detected a virus on your computer. Would you like us to take control? Let us into your computer. We'll, we'll fix the, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of the problem and fix it up for you. Or if you pay us $199 now, we'll, we'll rid your computer of viruses. People have paid. They think this is real. The, the other thing too is is them offering you either you've you've won a prize uh, at all expenses paid cruise around the world. All you need to do is pay the taxes and to claim and you can claim your prize. So tax for this magnificent trip is only a hundred and ninety nine dollars. And people are thinking, wow, that's that's not much here. Hundred, take these my credit card, hundred ninety nine bucks. And little do they know, it's a scam call. They've lost one hundred ninety nine dollars. So. Plenty to keep an ear out for. Use your common sense. I think they're, they're, it's pretty easy. If you've got your antennas up, it's pretty easy to spot a scam. Uh, and and do, don't be giving out any information over your phone. Don't give out your bank details, your date of birth. Uh, if your bank is saying, oh, we need to clarify something, go to your bank. Ring your bank and say, look, is this true you're ringing me for this this thing? Check it out. Don't trust anyone on your line because they could be – they're trying to win your trust. They're trying to gain – it's like a seduction. They're trying to get you on side, make you feel comfortable, and then try to rip you off. So really be careful. Don't, don't be offering any information over the phone, making any transfers, or, or telling uh, – some, some scammers say, oh, we deposited some money in your account. You need to give some of that back now. That's all part of the scam as well. So use your common sense, people. Don't let these people win. We've got to keep our uh, keep our uh, ears open. And if that phone rings, remember, every time the phone rings, it could be a mobile phone as well, it could be someone trying to rip you off. So really be careful. Stay sharp out there. If you want to learn more about them, those scams and uh, the particular details, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. There's a lot of valuable stuff on your computer. You think about it. Family photos, videos, tax and work documents. But what would you do if all of them had suddenly disappeared, gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve? Well, what I've just described is called ransomware. 
That's malware that locks you out of your own devices, out of your files, then demands that you pay up or lose access to them for good. That, unfortunately, is on the rise here in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware, including the recent WannaCry ransomware. It does that by blocking dangerous files, warning you against dodgy links before you click, and backing up files from your PC to the cloud so you'll have a copy of everything if anything goes wrong. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Well, first up on the Tech Guide reviews for this week, we're going to be talking about the Google Home. Now, this is a little speaker. It came out about a week and a half ago. Uh, it's been out in America for a few months, but it's finally arrived in Australia. And I have to say, it is a remarkable little speaker. It's powered by Google Assistant, which is the the artificially intelligent voice-activated assistant. So you can ask it all kinds of questions and ask it uh, for, for various measurements and ask it to tell you a joke. There's so many things this speaker can do. And I've listed some of the Easter eggs there as well. So some pretty funny responses. But it is can be used anywhere in the house. It is a, a really handy speaker. I found that it was really useful when you need to find things out or check things if you're doing in the middle of doing something else. And the classic example would be in the morning rush where you're trying to get out the door, you've got, you're having your breakfast and you're getting dressed and you've got, you've got children, you're trying to get them ready for school and you don't have time to sit down at your computer or look at your phone and check your calendars and look at the traffic and things like that. So that's a really good example of how the speaker can help you and you just say, uh, and my, my speaker is going to activate. So if you do hear some noise in the background, you say, uh, hey, Google, and my speaker's just activated. You say, hey, Google, uh, what's my day like? Now, it's probably going to respond now in the background. So keep it here out for that. It's thinking about Sorry, it. I'm not sure how to help. There you go. To learn. <laughs> it did respond. But you can ask it things like, uh, what's my day like? Or how's the traffic? Um, what, what meetings will I have? Things like that. So... Without you having to touch anything, phone, no phone, no computer, you can find out that information. So in the morning, straight away, you got some help. But not just that. It can help you in every part of the house. And the good thing, too, is that it can recognize multiple people. So if you're in a household with, let's say, if you're in your family, it'll recognize everyone's voice. And if they want to link their accounts to their voice, they can do that. So if you're asking about a particular thing relevant to you, it'll remember things. Uh, if you're asking about how's my day, it'll recognize that it's me and then we'll look at my calendar. So if someone else in the household asks how their, how's their day, it'll remember, it'll listen to for them and know it's that particular person and also give them their information as well. Uh, it, it can it can understand our accent really well. Uh, really easy to set up as well. So it step, steps you through it and gets you on the network, or on your home network and is up and running within minutes. Also very easy to link your music services. This is a speaker after all. So you got, if you've got Spotify, YouTube Music, uh, Google Play Music, you can play music through this as well. You can ask it to play play some music, play a certain band, 
uh, and it'll it'll come up with that. And, and we've got to say, the sound quality is actually surprisingly good. It, it is a really small speaker. It's only just a smidgen over 14 centimetres tall uh, and not, not very big around the base. So relatively small speaker, but it does produce a pleasingly, a pleasing sound that uh, belies the fact that it's actually coming from quite a small speaker. Uh, it, it sounds pretty good. But it is really useful about finding things like you know the weather and asking it questions like metric conversions, mathematical calculations. And I haven't got enough time in this particular review on this podcast to tell you a tenth of what this is capable of. There's so much it can do, so much it can find out for you. It can also, if you've got connected devices, like say you've got the Philips Hue lighting system, you can tell it to turn lights on, turn lights off. Uh, you can issue it, uh, to ask it to count to 20 or set a timer or add, add the items to a shopping list. Uh, you can ask what sound a kookaburra makes or a cow makes, all these sorts of things. Uh, and it, w- it will answer and it will make the kookaburra sound. It will make the cow sound for you as well. You can set alarms, ask it to come up with a random number, find out what time it is in another city. If you're cooking, uh, say you're in the kitchen, a lot of people put the Google Home in the kitchen. So you may say, well, how many calories are in a strip of bacon? Or uh, well, how do I make uh, risotto? And it will give you the ingredients. Or um, how many... How many milliliters is in a quart? You may be reading uh, an American an American uh, recipe, and you may have all your flour and ingredients all over your hands and not been able to touch a tablet or, or a phone, but Google Home can get everything you need without you laying a finger on it. It can add items to a shopping list or read out a shopping list. Turn the, your lights on and off, as I've already mentioned. Uh, even when it's time to watch, your, to watch, you finish your cooking, you finish everything, you can even say... Uh, put on um, suits on the TV. So if you've got a Chromecast attached to the television, it'll know that, okay, that's the TV there, Chromecast is there, suits is on Netflix, boom, it's going to play your show, and it will remember what episode you're up to. So uh, you don't have to do a thing. All you have to do is use your voice, and it will start that as well. Put it at the right in the right uh, source, in the right mode, and boom, you're watching your program. That's just... Uh, only a small taste of the capabilities of this speaker, and I think the more you use it, the more capable you're going to find it. It is uh, really interesting how it can get to know you a little bit better. Say you're asking like a multiple-part question. You might say, uh, "What? Uh, where's the nearest servo? Or, and then your next question will be... Uh, you, you, you've already asked where it is or where is such and such or how, how long will it take me to get there? So... It will know that you've what you were talking about, the servo. You'll say, where's the nearest servo? How long will it take me to get there? It'll know the second question, how long will it take me to get there, is related to what you said a minute ago. So it, it does keep the relevance of your questions if you do have a multiple-part question to ask. But there's also a lot of fun you can have as well. And this, this is really cool. And, and there's a lot of people that are contributing the little Easter eggs that are also on board Google Home as well. Various answers to questions, and I'm going to put I'm going to put a whole lot of them on Tech Guide uh, on my review. Uh, they're already there, but there are some funny things that it can do uh, if you ask it certain questions. Like you, you say, "Okay, can you rap?" or "Surprise me," or uh, you say, "I'm naked." It'll come up with some very funny responses. Uh, you might say. Uh, 
I'm feeling lucky or flip a coin. So many response, so many different uh, different responses or um, you might say, I'm your father. And it'll remember, no, uh, it'll remember the Star Wars reference or it even remembers the 2001 references with Hal as well. So it's, it's quite, there's a quite some interesting responses. People can have a lot of fun asking various questions, but the responses uh, are going to be quite, quite funny. So if you, if you, and there's, there's lists and lists of all these, these Easter eggs that are there uh, and, and everyone's discovering new, new uh, Easter eggs all the time. So uh, have a bit of fun with it, but it is quite a useful tool I've found in any room in the house, whether it's in your bedroom, uh, it can translate things. If you're traveling, you can ask it how to save certain phrases in certain languages. Uh, you, can, you can ask it what time it is in other cities or uh, what the currency conversions and things like that are. So it's really handy uh, if you're in the middle of doing other things, a great way while you're multitasking to get your information as well. That's with the Google Home. Uh, it's priced at $199, and it's available from uh, JB Hi-Fi, from Harvey Norman, and Officeworks, Good Guys, and also Telstra Stores, and, of course, online at the Google Store. So if you are thinking about getting Google Home, $199, I think it's pretty reasonably priced. But for what it can do, it can really add another dimension to to your, to your life and, and really make things easier. And I think the more you use it, the better you get at it. It can literally become your virtual assistant. It'll really help you out. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we're talking LG's SJ9 soundbar. Soundbars are a very popular product. Samsung actually released another soundbar late last week, the MS750 Plus, which we'll talk about in the future. But we did review the LG SJ9. Popular products, as I said, soundbars, because as TVs are getting thinner, so is the sound they produce. So uh, having such a thin form factor, very hard to push a lot of air around in there and create a decent sound which is why the soundbar market is really booming at the moment. And the LG SJ9 uh, is a great example. We, we reviewed this and really happy with the results here. We did connect it to an LG TV, a 65-inch LG 4K UHD TV, and it was one cable to connect it. We, we connected our TV through an optical cable, so really simple Really easy connection, and the TV's remote, and even if it isn't an LG TV, it will still control the, the soundbar by uh, using its sync, sync feature. So you will be able to, uh, the, to control the, the bar as well as the TV. So your TV remote, once you hit the TV remote on, it'll turn the TV on as well as the soundbar on. And then when you're adjusting your volume, of course, through your remote, it'll adjust the volume on the soundbar as well. So really easy to do that. And the sound quality, I have to say, is remarkable. Now, the, the soundbar itself is 1.2 metres long, 15 centimetres wide, and just 6 centimetres tall. So it's not if it's sitting below your TV, in front of your TV, it's not going to be tall enough to be a distraction. So uh, low profile but really, really nice sound. There's also a powered subwoofer that connects wirelessly to the main unit so that uh, you can also get that, that bass sound in there as well. Seven speakers on board. They all work together to provide the directional sounds. So you've got your left and right and left rear, right rear. You're hearing sounds where you think speakers are located, but they're not. 
But the added bonus of the SJ9 is the fact it's got Dolby Atmos as well. Now, Atmos is that three-dimensional sound that I've described it. And rather than just hearing the directional sound of things moving left and right around you, sort of on, on, the, on your ear level, you can also hear downward sounds coming down on you or panning across the top of the viewer. So a great example would be maybe a plane landing over the top of you. You'll hear the sound start at the back of the room and then go over the top and then and then move to the front or a helicopter hovering around or hearing the multiple sounds in a, in a rainforest or a gunfight in a nightclub. You hear all these sounds just echoing around you and above you rather than just to the sides of you. There, you, there is a real difference. You're able to hear the difference. And Dolby Atmos is actually a sound available now with nearly every new Blu-ray and 4K disc release. There's a Dolby Atmos soundtrack, as there is now on Netflix. Netflix has not only 4K and HDR content, high dynamic range, it's also got Dolby Atmos. There's already a movie or two that are available with Dolby Atmos. So if you, do, you are listening, if you want to hear Dolby Atmos, you need to connect the bar with a HDMI cable, it won't won't do Dolby Atmos through an optical cable. So from your uh, the ARC can HDMI connection, the audio return channel, from the bar to your TV, that is how you achieve Dolby Atmos. You need the HDMI connection; it won't work through optical. If you're just watching or listening to normal programs without Atmos, then the optical was fine. You can uh, connect the HDMI though if you do want to enjoy your Dolby Atmos. It does sound remarkable if you have heard good Dolby Atmos. It's Atmos is short for atmosphere, which is kind of what it creates when you're hearing sound bouncing around all around the room. Uh, what I like about it, it's really easy to set up. Sounds terrific. It's even got uh, pass-through, so if you want to connect your 4K player, it does have that 4K pass-through as well. It's also a music system too, so not, not only is it a great audio quality for watching your TV shows and movies, but it's also a great audio speaker. So if you want to stream your music wirelessly or with Bluetooth, so if you want to set it up on your Wi-Fi network, it be- can become another speaker in your multi-room setup. So you can have that as another speaker. If you're just on Bluetooth, you just want to stream some music while you're in the same room, that works as well. It's also capable of high-res audio. The SJ9 can play up to 24-bit, 192 kilohertz music. So uh, you'll probably need to connect a cable to do that, though. Won't, that probably won't work very well over the air. But it is all round as a great companion to your TV. Really adds some punch to your movie and TV show viewing, uh, especially that the, the subwoofer really uh, just chimes in with just enough bass. Not too big, not too small, but just right. The Goldilocks uh, subwoofer, I like to call it. And the soundbar as well. Excellent sound, great reproduction, and a really nice effect. Not only will you be impressed by the quality of the sound, but be, you'll be impressed by where the sound comes from and the directional, uh, the directional qualities to the sound because it really adds to your enjoyment of the film or TV show you happen to be watching. Now, the soundbar itself, it's not cheap. It's $1,699, so that's $1,699. But this is a device that's designed to offer quality and convenience. So to achieve the sound that this that this can produce, you'd normally have to scatter f- different speakers around the room, one at the re- two at the rear, two at the side perhaps, two at the front, center speaker, connect them all with cables. It's a whole production. 
And the quality of that setup, while it would sound good, there is a lot of trouble, a lot of money you've got to spend to achieve it. With the LG soundbar, you're spending probably slightly less money than a multiple system, but it sounds as good as a multi-speaker system. So while it is uh, probably matches the quality of a more expensive multi-speaker system, then you'll understand the pricing and easy to install, no hassle, and you're getting same quality actually at a cheaper price that you would achieve with a multiple speaker system. So I think once you take that in consideration, you will see the value. If you want to read our complete review of the LG SJ9, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're talking the Laser 4K Smart TV Player. Now, this is a little box. It's it's like an Apple TV, a small box uh, or Telstra TV about that size, and it is running Android. So it's can, it's got Android on board, can connect to your TV using HDMI or optical or if you've got your old, older connections, your, your, your red, white, and yellow connections, you can also chuck them in as well. You won't get 4K and HD, but it will connect to any television. That's the advantage here. This is a product that's designed to turn any TV into a smart TV because it's got an operating system, in this case Android, which means you can install apps like Stan, Netflix. You can install Foxtel Now. Foxtel, uh, you can install all the streaming services. So ABC iView, SBS On Demand, 10 Play, all of the catch-up services you can put on there as well. Uh, the Google Play Store lets you install other apps as well. Like you want to have a browser, you want to look at your Facebook page, plenty of options for you to access content that you normally wouldn't be able to be able to get if you didn't have a smart TV to begin with. Now, a good example of this is, yeah, there are smart TVs that have got Netflix on them, got Stan on board, got YouTube, got all of those. But other TVs don't. If you've got like a three- or four-year-old TV, maybe a five-year-old TV that you're particularly fond of, you're not interested in updating, but you want to make it smart, here's a $249 product that can let you do it. So the... The Laser Smart, the 4K Smart TV player uh, has the ability for to uh, play 4K content. So you've got 4K UHD, 60 frames per second it's capable of. So those high compression files. So if you do have a 4K TV connected, you can do that. There's also plenty of really good connectivity as well. So it's got a, a you've got Wi-Fi on board or, or a, an Ethernet port if you want to connect a cable if you're close enough. And it's also got a, a micro SD card slot as well as three USB ports. So you can view your own content on this, put them up on the big screen as well. So the, the USB ports can be used to uh, transfer content or maybe even connect a, a Bluetooth dongle if you want to use a mouse or a keyboard with it as well. For our review, we actually connected it to a, a TV and to, to a computer monitor. So we were able to use it both ways. Watching it on TV, naturally, you can access movies and watch your Netflix and Stan and all those things. The The downside of the system, I felt, was the the controller. The controller, while it's a, it's a three-in-one controller, it's two sides. It's got, it can act as a remote, a mouse, and a keyboard. So on one side, it looks like a normal remote. On the other side, it's got a full keyboard. So if you need to type things in, search for stuff, you can do it. 
using it as a, a mid-air mouse. It's, it was very clumsy, really frustrating trying to get the mouse and trying to move it around properly. The directional keys were also not, not as responsive as we'd like them. So using it on your TV, while you've got all this great content, the controller let it down a little bit. Uh, it, it took a little bit of getting used to, could have been a little bit better, but uh, so much content this can put at your fingertips and, and connect to any TV as well. So if you've got a, a bit of an older TV that doesn't have all the smarts, here's a great way of getting them. The uh, Laser 4K Smart TV Player is priced at $249. And if you want to read our complete review of that really handy product, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and creator of the world's first 100% wire-free weatherproof HD security camera. We'll now get to know the new Arlo Pro with even more features including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming, and yes, it's still 100% wire-free and weatherproof, so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up, so you can check in on your home or your business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Tech Guide helped us this week. Uh, it was an interesting question from one of our readers and was asking about, do you really, he said, look, I've got $2,000 to spend on a TV, but do I really need a 4K television? And then he listed the things that he watches on his TV. And he, I think he had his free-to-air, which is 1080i. I think he had his uh, Foxtel box, uh, his normal Blu-ray player, all the things he was talking about were all high definition, not 4K, which is four times high definition. And he, with, a, with a budget of $2,000, my recommendation would still be to buy a 4K TV. Number one, you're going to future-proof your purchase. So down the track when there's a lot more 4K content, you, you're at least going to be you, you're going to have some protection there with the ability to watch 4K content. If you bought a full HD TV, you can't watch 4K content. But with a 4K TV, you can watch HD content and 4K content. And the other thing to note too, and I mentioned this in my response, was the fact that on your 4K TV, you'll have access to 4K content. So if it's running Netflix, for example, the TV will detect it's, Netflix will detect it's running on a 4K TV and then suddenly offer you 4K content. So you can watch 4K movies, TV shows, whatever there happens to be. If you also buy a 4K disc player, you can watch every pixel on your TV you can enjoy because it's 4K. No need to upscale. I think one of the concerns was if it's a cheaper 4K TV, is the upscaling any good? Well, that, that's, that's hard to say depending on the type of TV, but usually it's pretty good. But if you're watching 4K content, you don't need to upscale. You're using all the, the, all the pixels that are there right now. So my advice, if you're going to buy a TV, 
buy a 4K TV. It's probably hard not to buy a 4K TV nowadays. Nearly every TV is 4K. So worthwhile, get 4K. If you don't use it today, you certainly will use it tomorrow. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch like our uh, help desk listener and reader, send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. We want a special thanks to, give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And also a shout out to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.